see several out tonight. I got to turn my microphone on here. Hang on just a second. Got to remember, Jeff, I got to remember to turn it on when I'm supposed to and turn it off when I'm supposed to. I was singing this morning the invitation song and I didn't know the words. I mean, I knew them, sort of. With a book, I could do it. But I forgot to turn this thing on, so I'm on the end of God is enough. And I'm thinking, is that going out on the internet? But I was rescued by the sound guy. He muted it. So he, he made us both look good. All right, it's helpful. I, anyway, I'm, my voice carries, but I know there's sometimes some outside and that, that uh, you all have a, I don't know what you're doing with it, but anyway, I know it goes out. So did I turn it on? I did turn it on then. Okay, you can't tell from this. Did I turn it on? Where's my guy? All right, I did. Tried arm. I thought I did, but anyway. So, this is it. I appreciate y'all having me. I know, it's, I know that John and Sarah put that bug in your ear, and I appreciate that. And I guess after two or three decent lessons, John figured he'd show up. <laughs> you know, he wasn't in trouble yet. But anyway, there's still tonight, John. No, I, I have to say that I, one of the more encouraging things about being a shepherd or about being a Christian, period, is the relationships that you develop with various people. John and Sarah and their family are examples of that. Jennifer and Nevaeh and Justin are examples of that and others that have come from a long way. I mean, the, the Lindsay's live in Henry County, which is one county down from the river, almost. You know, it's, it's a pretty good ways. And they came today in spite of the cold and the snow and all of that. And uh, John and Sarah came from Nicholasville. And I know they, they, uh, they came because it's John's birthday and what better way to spend your birthday and listen to me say something they've probably heard me say 15 times before but there's been others i don't i'm not here to give a shout out to everybody but i appreciate everybody being here and especially those and that's one of the blessings of of being in christ you know one of the interesting things to me and i may ramble a little bit because i've got the wrong sermon committee said don't say that don't say that but anyway we can we can make it happen one of the one of the more interesting things to me in the scriptures in Acts 2. Now, I mean, certainly, when, they, when the first gospel sermon is preached and when people obey the gospel, but on down beyond, you know, they were added to the church and on down beyond that, you know, they, uh, their relationship to each other was immediate and close. You know, they shared all that they had. They sold their possessions and shared what they had. And they had this real tight relationship and they didn't even know each other. They were from different places. You remember that the gift that was given, one of the gifts given to the, uh, to the apostles, to Peter, and everybody heard this message in their own language, and there was a big list of languages. These people didn't even speak the same language. But when they landed in the Lord's church, boom, all, all at once, they had this real close relationship. Now, I'm not saying that they were totally disassociated. They were Jews coming in to worship. Uh, and, and that sort of thing. But all of a sudden, they have this relationship that they never dreamed of. They didn't come to Jerusalem thinking that they were going to stay for a while. They didn't come to Jerusalem thinking that they were going to make all these family members immediately and spend all this time together. I promise you they didn't think about selling their stuff <laughs> and sharing with other people. Someone asked this morning, why do you think it's so much different now than it was then? You know, why is it so hard 
uh, now to sometimes to find the right people when back there they seem to do it you know in a pretty short period of time find find elders and, and again I'll say that my point is to help you all set things in order and appoint elders I don't know the answer to that question and maybe there maybe that's not a true statement I don't know but the fact of the matter is the gospel leads us into a family a family that should be close an eternal family and that's what I want you to think about tonight. And I'll tell you this. I had prepared to talk about Jesus in John 10. The, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. The example that we follow. And the statement that Jesus makes over and over again is, My sheep know my voice. What does that mean? That means that they had a relationship. They knew him. They trusted him. Who do you follow? Somebody you don't know or somebody you see every once in a while or somebody that was part of this group that decided to do something I didn't like it when they did it. <laughs> I thought they were supposed to be smart. Isn't that why we appointed them? Or do you want to follow somebody that you know and somebody that you know knows you and loves you and cares for you and sacrifices for you. Is it hard to follow somebody like that? I don't think so. And that's what Jesus is saying. They know my voice. What that means is they recognize who I am. And they follow me because they know that I have their best interest at heart. They know that I sacrifice for them. They know that I'll lead them beside still waters, that I'll feed them and I'll take care of them. They hear and they listen and they follow. And that's what elders do. They build those relationships. And that's what Christians do. They build those relationships. That's what we're supposed to do. I keep saying this over and over and over again. These things that we learn here are not just for elders. Surely we want elders to exemplify that. We want to know that they practice that. We want to know that they're committed to that. But all of us should be that way. This is a family. I, you need to love each other. And I don't mean, oh yeah, I love them. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> I don't really like them that much, but I love them, you know. I'm supposed to love them, remember? Not that kind of relationship. It's a relationship that's committed to each other. That's what it is, again, this family that we're in. And so I want you to think about that just a little bit this morning. About, I mean, this morning. It's my nap time. Anyway, <laughs> this afternoon... I want you to think about this importance of that relationship. And for anybody in here who's even thinking about maybe putting their name forward, who would like to serve as an elder, who desires that job, I want you to be mindful of the fact that this job carries a lot of responsibility in a lot of different directions. Not only are you going to be accountable for the people that you shepherd, but you are going to have to spend time and know these people demonstrate to them that who you are and what you're about that's your job 
Because your job is a shepherd and to lead and protect and guard and feed, to rescue, to hold up, to pray for, whatever. But you have to know them to do that, don't you? And again, back to what we talked about just barely a little bit in, in, in the reason for assembling. You consider one another to provoke one another into love and good works. We had a singing. What do you sing for? To teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I'm singing to God, but I'm singing to you. Sometimes I wish it was better. <laughs> but that's what we're here for, to encourage and build one another up. That's the job. And I know the eldership is a special job. With special accountability. Sometimes when I think about that accountability, when I was a shepherd, you know in John 17, I know I'm way off of it, Camille. In John 17, when Jesus prays to the Father, we talk about that prayer and the prayer for unity. I pray, Father, they'll be one as you and I are one. And I don't just pray for my disciples, but I pray for those who, will, who believe, who hear, hear them, hear their words. But you know what he does before he says that? He says, these men that you've given me, I've kept them all except the son of perdition, which would be Jesus, Judas, or the son of destruction. What Jesus is doing there is giving an account to God for these, for these people that were given to him as disciples to be made apostles. Now that didn't dawn on me a long time. I've talked about that and studied that and heard sermons on that, and truly it is Jesus' plea for unity and for the, those who follow and be strong. And the reason why he says that, that the world may believe that you sent me. But in my mind, when I read that account of the disciples, it seems to me that the good shepherd is giving an account to the Father. What does that say about me if I'm shepherding? I'm saying me, I am not a shepherd, but I was. And so I keep thinking that way. <laughs> but it, but I, need, I have to give an account like that. It's important that every one of them, every one of my sheep is accounted for, healthy, whole, on their way to heaven. I know that's not going to be the case, likely. But it's got to be really big on my mind. And if it is, I have to think about those things. I have to think about Danny. He seems like he's struggling a little bit. I don't know anything that you don't know. I'm just using Danny as an example. Okay? I should do that thing. The names and the people, if anybody, you know, these are fictitious anyway. But what I'm saying is, and for me to know if Danny's struggling or something's just not right, I have to know him. Don't I? Of course I do. If I'm going to help Ann, who, by the way, is looking for... No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. Whose mother, by the way, and I'm going to say that either. I'm sorry. It's a private joke, and I shouldn't joke so much. I know. Anyway, there goes my wife. She's first, first thing she told me when I left think some of your humor is appropriate but anyway <laughs> but anyway 
I need to know you. If I'm your shepherd, I need to know you. Because I need to be trying to help you. I need to be praying for you. I need to be trying to help you and myself get where we need to be. Remember, we're building up the body and we're trying to reach that stature of Christ, that fullness of the stature of Christ that we're not going to reach, but we're trying to get there. And that's my job. So I'm going to butt in your business. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I do need to know. I need to care. I need to think about you. And sometimes I may misjudge that. Say, boy, Adam, I don't know. He was talking those lottery numbers. <laughs> He's not. I made that up too. I just got to pick something, you know. <laughs> I think it was Keno or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what that is, but I hear him advertising. You know, I think I need to talk to him a little bit. <laughs> Whoever it is, we need to give thought to one another. You need to do it, I need to do it, but elders' job, for sure, not because they get paid, <laughs> although all those scriptures do teach they're worthy of double honor. I never worked that deal out. <laughs> Mark, anyway... They are worthy. But that's the job. That's the responsibility. That's the accountability that you have. But you need to do it too. You remember the little old lady I was talking about? And those of you who are looking for somebody older than me. The little old lady I was talking about. Her and her mind, that was her job. She could do other things. But she was calling people who weren't showing up for services to make sure they were okay. She wasn't trying to hold her feet to the fire necessarily. Are you okay? Do you need help? And that could be anything. That could be something physical or something spiritual. But she was doing that because she cared. The elders there didn't give her that job. Nobody else gave her that job. Said, now listen, this is your job. Jeanette. No. But because she cared, she did that. And that's where we need to be. But when you appoint an elder, and if you decide to become an elder, and the congregation decides to appoint you as an elder, that's your job. And, and the sheep will, your sheep, will hear your voice and know your voice. I, I had a Tom Turkey. I thought about this last night while I was laying in bed. But anyway... I had a big old Tom Turkey where, where we lived in Oldham County come up to the bird feeder, you know, and scrap around the body. He couldn't get on the bird feeder. We'd scrap around. There's all kinds of stuff, deer and squirrels and everything else getting on that bird feeder at the edge of the woods. But I came out of the garage, you know, with some food and coming around there, and when he saw me, he just took off, headed to the woods. <coughs> Scared to death. I mean, I'd typically be a predator, but I didn't have a gun with me. But I said, whoa, Tom, don't worry about it, buddy. I got a little food for you. I mean, I, I, you know, but anyway, he went on, came out a couple days later, and he's out there again. I said, it's me, Tom, don't worry about it. I mean, this sounds funny. You say, what's that got to do with shepherding? But after about four or five days, maybe a week, he, he knew what was going to happen if it was me. He learned my voice. I, I mean, they see pretty well, but I could just speak to him. He didn't even really have to see me. And he got to the point to where he would come back because he was waiting for me to scatter seed on the ground. Now, 
He's lucky I wasn't fattening him up to eat him, but I wasn't. I'm just saying, mistaken. But he knew my voice. He literally knew my voice. I could say it, and he'd stop in his tracks and come back. Because he trusted me. Because he thought I had his best interest. Because he knew me in that regard. And that's really similar to what we're talking about with the shepherd. I never really had any sheep, but I know sheep follow. And I know that shepherd, I know, you know, David and all the stories of shepherds we hear in the, in the scriptures. I mean, they need to be led. They need to be protected. They needed to be guided. There's a lot of people that quit raising sheep a long time ago because of dogs and, and other things, other predators like that. They were too much trouble. But we need to get there. We need to get there, all of us. And when you're looking for a, an elder, a shepherd, you want somebody that wants to know you. Whew, I'm way off here. Anyway, I'll say this after all these years of experience in multiple forms. Elder, as an elder, you never, you never make the exact right decision. So, if you're thinking about being an elder out there, let me repeat this. You never make the exact right decision. If you did do the right thing, it could have been done better. could have been done another way. You ever hear that? Well, it needed to be done, but I just think they could have handled it differently. You ever heard that, Jeff, when you were shepherding? But you know what? That causes issues, but when you make a decision, not, on, not you know, unilaterally, but an eldership, when your sheep know you, and when they know that you have their best interest at heart, and you're doing what you think is best because you care for them, you don't hear that all the time. And even if they're thinking that, they're thinking, well, it might have been done better, but I know they're doing the best they can to help me or to help this congregation. That's what shepherding is. That's what that relationship is because to lead, you've got to have followers. To be a shepherd, you have to have sheep. And your sheep need to know your voice so they will follow you. That's the arrangement that God has made. We talked about the wisdom and the love of God along with the authority. The very first lesson, and I'll remind you again, that still stands. That's God's wisdom saying that. And that needs to take place. But you all need to have that relationship together. You do. Not just two or three that live near me, or some of them that are about my age, or some of them that think the same thing I do, or some of them that don't like the ones I don't like. Whatever it is, whatever that might be separating you from anybody in here, you need to tear that down. You do. I think God will hold you accountable for not doing that as well. This is a body, and we talked about every joint doing its part. That's the work part of it. But it's a relationship. It's a family also. And you need to develop that family relationship. And guess what? When you do that, you'll have an easier time appointing elders. 
because you won't be squabbling or fighting or doing this all the time, disagreeing all the time. Even if you don't agree on the point, you can deal with it together much better. Because if I don't agree with the way you think about that, but I know that your interest is in, in me and in this congregation, if I were here, your, your interest is the best interest in your mind what needs to be done. And so I'm not going to get upset with that even when I agree with it, and you're not going to get upset with me even when you disagree with me. I talked about some of this stuff when I, when I left where I was. I got, I got a little letter here from Sarah, but I'm not going to read. It's very precious. I'll call Sarah out. Sarah's very precious. John, I mean, her brother Jim was here the other night telling me he's better than she is. I'm saying, just because you drove farther? Huh, you kidding me? You'll never win that argument with me. But that relationship that I shared with John and Sarah and their family will always be precious to me. Even though he's in Nicholasville and I'm in stock. And the same thing with the Lindsay's, and the same thing with anybody else. And you know that relationship goes on because they're Christians. I'll tell you something else I was thinking about this morning. I was awake and Camilla wasn't. She's made some comment about getting up, turned over, went sound asleep. <laughs> well, it didn't last long. Anyway, but she was laying on my shoulder. And I, and I lay there for a long time waiting for her to wake up. But I thought, you know what Jesus said about that? This most precious relationship, this woman that keeps me warm because I freeze to death at night, ends when one or the other of us dies. When the Sadducees asked Jesus, well, you know what, if a man marries a woman, a woman marries a man, he dies, and she has to marry his brother, and he dies, and she has to marry him. Yes, seven of them. Whose wife will she be? And Jesus said, there's no marriage. or giving in marriage in heaven. It's hard for me, it's a struggle for me to think about heaven being a great happy place without Camilla and the relationship that we have. But Jesus says it isn't there. But he says, I'll be happy. And I believe him. No tears in heaven. But you know what? The relationship as Christians, the eternal relationship that we have will continue. It may not continue in the, in the fleshly sense. But we'll still be worshiping together. Singing. In the presence of the Lord. That relationship will go on beyond these relationships here. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because it's an extremely important thing for us to have those relationships. Because it's a whole lot easier for me to help you and you to help me when we really love each other like a family. Don't you think? It's really easier to follow an elder I know if you trust and believe that that elder loves you and wants the best for you and has demonstrated that in their actions towards you, that's what a shepherd does. And that's what you want to appoint.
that's who you want to point, I think I should say. It's just hard to imagine. When I was a kid, and I've used this illustration a lot for a lot of different things, you know, I, I read in, in Mark 10, 28 through 31, in that section where they're talking about, look, Lord, his disciples are saying, well, we left everything to follow you. <laughs> what about us? Jesus said, nobody... It's left anything but what they'll receive a hundredfold of that here in the, on this earth along with persecution. And in the end, eternal life. You know, and that relationship is talking about relationships, that family that you have in Christ. And I had that figured out. Boy, howdy. That's more hunting places. <laughs> That's more fishing places. That's more ponds to gig in. You know, 14, 15 years old, I'm thinking, you know, that's right. But that's not what it is. You know, and Camille and I went out west. We were in Colorado, and there wasn't a church for 250 miles probably. But we, we found this little church in the mountains somewhere, and we worshiped there, and we, and we really enjoyed it after we left the Pentecostal group with our donuts and coffee. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just kidding. It helps keep people awake. <laughs> but you know what? I've never seen these people before in my life. But we immediately had all kinds of things in common. All kinds of things to talk about. All kinds of things that we related to. We sat down and worshiped together. And when we got up, these people say, why don't y'all come to our house and eat? Stay with us this afternoon. Worship with us. We have an afternoon service. Okay, sounds good to me. So they'd never met us before in their lives and we're eating dinner with them. That's family. The other thing is, is most of the rest of the congregation was over there too because they had to drive a couple hundred miles to get there. They were scattered all over the place in the mountains. That's family. That's a good thing about family. And I was so thankful for that. And I can give you story after story of those things. I met a fellow in Florida one time at a church. He was part of a fishing club. He said, why don't you go fishing with us? I said, sign me up. We, we went out in his boat. Unfortunately, it was my guess, but it was his boat. We caught fish. Hey, it would have cost me more to rent a boat or to get, you know, one of those guides or something. So we went out and had a good time and caught fish. And then he said, well, this August, we've got this, uh, we've got this one of these big, big fishing, party fishing boat things. Uh, we got that thing reserved, we, and we'd like for you to go there, go with us. So for like 150 bucks, I was out in the Gulf for a week, deep sea fishing. <laughs> That's a good deal. That was my concept of relationships in Christ, these eternal relationships. These things were not really foremost on my mind in regard to that but there are so many others and it was great to go with them because you know i didn't hear the cussing and there wasn't any drinking and i didn't have to worry about other stuff going on and we had a good time except for the night of the big storm but then i learned a lot about uh, you know being in a rowboat in the middle of the night and the waves are you know, lord <laughs> carest thou not that we perish <laughs> Help! <laughs> it was bad. But, but it was a wonderful time. 
But I found out, and I talked about this when I when I when Camille and I left Oldham Woods. The real family thing is when you sit together and watch a dearest loved one die. When you pray together for a sick child, when somebody's lost a child, that's the relationship. That's the relationship. You keep those. I'm sorry. Like I said, I didn't get my nap. <laughs> that's bad. All right. You know what? So many times. You stand and, and preach a funeral for somebody who's lost the closest relative they have, their spouse or their mother or their dad. You study with people when they're thinking about getting married. And then when they get off track, you study with them again to help them get back on track. That's the relationship that we have in Christ. And you pray together when your children are going astray. And you have people to help you with that. And you stand together and talk about what it means and how you become a Christian. Or you stand there with them in the water when they're baptized. That's the relationship that we have in Christ. That's what family is. That's what this relationship that God has given us here. You rejoice with love when loved ones finish the course. And you're confident as confident can be, though you're not the judge, that they're going to heaven. It's a happy and exciting time. And you do this over and over and over again with so many people. You rejoice when someone obeys the gospel. And in some cases, it involves, it involves multiple generations, doesn't it, Jennifer? It does. That's the relationship that we need to have in Christ. That's the relationship that this church needs to seek. And that's the relationship, surely, that elders need to have for their sheep to know their voice. Those are tough things. All of us face those tough things in this life. And our relationship doesn't end when we walk out the door. And our needs don't go away when we walk out the door. And our help for each other doesn't go away when we walk out the door. We need to have that closeness. We need to have that relationship. We need to have that love. We need to have that support. And we need to give it. Because we belong to the Lord. And that's what we've been called to do and to be. And I'll tell you what. This church will be just exactly what God wants it to be. If y'all can do that. And we'll do that. When somebody does something aggravates you. That the way that affects you when you love them is entirely different 
than it is when you're not that close to them. And I don't just mean the person that's sitting on the same pew with you or who lives the closest to you. Build those relationships. Build them. And, and, you know, a lot of the qualifications of an elder are related to that. Hospitality. I used to think hospitality is just one of those little side things. No. That's when you really need a wife, too, because she's the one that's really put out by that. I always heard hospitality, lover of strangers. <laughs> well, it doesn't exclude lovers of brethren, lovers of other people. That's just the extreme that we take it to. And we need to demonstrate that. But that closeness, that relationship, that sharing together, that hospitality, that's what strengthens us and makes us like the Lord. And that's what will make a good elder a good elder. And that's what will allow sheep to follow their leaders. It's kind of close back on it, wasn't it? Okay. Anyway. I'll let that be it. Mark, is that okay? But I want you to think about that. It is a serious job. I could stand up here, and instead of trying to encourage y'all to do that, I could scare everybody off. <laughs> I'll be an elder if that's what an elder is. Whew. It's work. It's hard. It's all the time. And it involves a lot of things we don't think about sometimes. It's not just about deciding how the money's spent, you know, getting a contract on the landscaping, changing the light fixtures, getting a new pitch pipe. It's not that. So, I wrote this little profile, elder profile. Committee told me I'd read it. I wrote it a long, long, maybe 30 or 40 years ago. I don't know how long it was. I didn't date it, but anyway. Elder profile, wanted. A man who loves God and those that belong to God enough that it drives him to look after their interests and spiritual needs. He's a man upon whom no one can attach and make hold a charge of wrongdoing. He's demonstrated himself to be a, a man who controls well his desires, his tongue, his anger, his general temperament toward others. He cares less for his own gain than, for the, than that of others. And he manifests that through selflessness, gentleness, and hospitality. He seeks the crown of glory given by the Lord to those that are lowly. And he seeks to lead as many people as possible to that same crown. He's especially diligent to lead his family to that end. And he does so not only through instruction, but by example as well. He gives no occasion for reproach by those who are in the community that are outside the body of Christ. He's zealous both to learn and to teach the wonderful the words of God, knowing that they give life. He stands firm in trials. He holds the hand of the weak as they endure trials. He's been tried and proven true as a husband, a father, a citizen, and a servant of the Lord in his church. Pretty easy job. You can fit that, can't you? <laughs> I did it again. Sorry. I can't turn it off. I'm <laughs> That's all you get for $1.98. <laughs> but I want you to think about those things. 
I'll say this as I've said every time. This church needs elders. Because God said so. Because God's wisdom said so. And because God's love said so. You can do it. I don't know you all well enough. But I'm satisfied there are people in here that would be good elders. Set your house in order. It's what the Lord wants. But remember, it's a serious job. It has great responsibility. But it has great reward. The crown of glory, especially. But it has great reward right here and right now. Nothing better than a big loving family who has fishing ponds and cricket. No. <laughs> if you're here this morning, you're outside of Christ. Come join the family. The Lord will add you to his church. If you'll repent and be baptized, if you'll confess him before men and follow after him, all those blessings are yours, including the crown of glory. Don't miss out on that. If you're not living right, change it now. Don't miss out on that. We talk, talked about Peter and Paul and how we could probably disqualify them. Obviously, Paul wasn't qualified because, because of the things that they did that they shouldn't have done. But you know, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. We can repent. If Paul can be forgiven, I can be forgiven. That's what Paul said. If he's the chiefest of sinners, I might be number two. I don't know. Don't waste another minute. Thank you all so much for having me. I hope and pray that it's been helpful. I've been encouraged by it. I've been encouraged by you all. And, and I really do appreciate it. And, and thank you all for the time this week. And especially for those, and also, maybe not especially, but additionally for those who come long distance to support me. I appreciate that. Again, which is what family does. Um, I guess that's about it. If you, if you, what a wonderful way to end a short meeting. Somebody obey the gospel. Now's the time as we stand and sing.